Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Always great to have Wendy with us in studio and we're going to tackle some fairly weighty insurance matters today. Then after half past one, it's an open line where you can call in with your consumer queries on 021-446-0567. Great to have you with us, Wendy. Thanks, Pippa. Good to be here as always. Just before we jump into today's topic, uh, I've had quite a few people sending follow-up queries about last week's conversation around the Howler cashless payment system. So I just wanted to remind everybody, uh, because the Rock on the Lawns concert is tomorrow, one more sleep till the cure is here. (laughs) Um, But lots of people still not quite sure how it works and what they have to do. I just wanted to say the entire podcast of last week's show is available on our website. So go on to capetalk.co.za and uh, click on my face under the podcasts tab. You will find it there. You can listen back to the whole thing, which includes uh, a talk through how the process works. Um, uh, Otherwise, visit Howler's own website, which is howler.co.za. And just a reminder, our suggestion is that if you're going to use the system, you preload your spending money online. It's going to make the refund process much, much simpler at the end if you don't spend all of that money. So that is our recommendation. Howler.co.za or go and look for the podcast on our website and have an amazing time, everybody. I can't wait. Right, Wendy, uh, much more serious matters, though, on the menu today. <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends on your viewpoint. But imagine this scenario. You drop your car off at a dealership to have it serviced or repaired, and you later receive a phone call. Um, from someone to say that it's been crashed during a test drive or the, or on the dealership's property it happens or it's been stolen. What would your first thoughts be? My first thought would be it's your fault so you need to replace yeah. the car. Oh, horrible thing that's happened but yeah. it's not going to impact on me at all. Yeah. Well, I've spoken to many people who've got that there's a problem call from their dealership and once they'd got over the initial shock at the news, they've all had the same reassuring thought the dealership will, will replace the car or um, pay them out or whatever but mostly it doesn't work that way the dealerships usually expect their customers to shrug um, and you know claim it on their own insurance policies not to have a problem with that and then they magnanimously offer to pay their excess amounts as a goodwill gesture and they basically say we're doing you a favor that is well look admittedly I don't hear from people who've had a good experience in this regard, but I've heard from many who've had this specific one. And it seems utterly ridiculous, Wendy. Uh, before we talk about CPA, I mean, for starters, that's going to impact every time you claim on your own insurance. There are knock-on effects on your premiums. There is exactly. the, the risk to your no-claim bonus if you haven't had any claims. It seems outrageous to me. And this is a big payout, so it yeah. would definitely make your premiums go up. You would lose that bonus. So there's an, an ongoing effect on you and your premiums and also how are you perceived as an insurance risk. Exactly. So it, okay. it's really not a, just a case of we'll pay the 6,000 rand excess or whatever it was. So you won't be out of pocket. Yes. But actually you are out and of pocket. And also long-term. there's another issue is that seldom does the payout enable you to, you to put yourself in this exactly the same position with a replacement car. There's yeah. always a little bit of a, a shortfall that you then have to to mm. make up. So the question is, is that a compl- that approach compliant with the CPA? Not at all. The, the CPA section 46, I think it is, says in the handling, safeguarding and utilization of that property, in this case being a car, companies must exercise the degree of care, diligence and skill that can reasonably be expected of a person responsible for managing any property belonging to another person. And that company then is liable to the owner of the property for any loss resulting from a failure to do so. I've read it out pretty much word for word. So um, you can see there it's pretty emphatic. Yeah. Um, 
I've, I've raised this, these issues because I say I get a lot of these cases with um, the various ombudsmen many times. Consumer Goods and Services Ombud, Mahatam Patlele, told me um, when I asked her for the, an opinion on a case of a bucking having been stolen from a dealership after the keys were left in the ignition. This was about just over a year ago. She said dealerships tend to rely on disclaimers displayed on their premises that cars are left at the consumer's risk. We've all seen those and signed those forms. But the CPA's section 65, no, I got it wrong, 65, is very clear that the dealership must take reasonable due care in handling the car and ensuring its safety. Motor industry ombudsman Johan van Frieden responding to me on the same case agreed wholeheartedly. He said, I totally agree with the Ombud for Consumer Goods and Services. We have over the years had to deal with many such cases and our rulings and recommendations always reflect that view. In other words, okay. that the dealership is responsible. But the dealerships um, are doing their own thing. Over the years, I've heard from people who've had all sorts of really bad things happen to their cars after they've handed them over uh, with the keys, obviously, to the dealership. I've had the most famous case, I'll never forget, in case they were cleaner um the keys were left in the ignition. She'd washed the car in the, in the, or part washed it in the wash bay section. They, all these dealerships have wash bays because mm-hmm. we get our cars back nice and clean. And she decided to move the car despite the fact that she didn't have a driver's license. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ended up reversing at speed, crashing to the back, and then somehow managing to get the automatic car into drive and crashing it into the wall in front. So there oh was extensive goodness. damage there. I've had another uh, driver who was licensed driver, luxury SUV, off a ramp. Um, and smash onto other customers' cars down below. Um, he was actually quite injured. It was a horrible case. Um, I've had um, mechanics crashing cars during a test drive, and but the most common one is theft, theft from a dealership. You can imagine these guys are getting a newly serviced car, washed, clean, shiny, ready, ready to, to go. the road. It's beautiful. sitting duck. Yeah. yeah. So the dealerships need – they do know that this is a, a problem area. It's it's yeah. an area that they should be looking at very closely. Um, so in some very rare cases um, – well, I shouldn't say very rare because I don't hear from everybody that's experienced this. But to my mind, it's fairly rare that dealerships do take full responsibility for the loss of damage. They either replace the car or pay out. But um, – in most cases, um, there's a battle. They, it, you know, they don't seem to, to understand their responsibilities in terms of, well, the CPA for starters. Okay. So let's talk about your most recent case study of the Bucky. Okay. So this is a very recent. I'm still investigating it um, and um, hope to come back with a conclusion soon. But a man, it's almost new, high-end Bucky was stolen uh, from a de- dealership. It was in for its first service. It hadn't even done 10,000 cases. Oh, shame. Yeah. Um, in that case, again, um, the keys had been left in the vehicle in an area which anyone could access without being stopped. And there was at the time of the theft, there was no one around the car. It wasn't being worked on. It was awaiting collection. Um, when I took up um, that case, um, the dealer principal took great exception, actually, to – sorry, this is the previous case that this okay. happened um, – Again, Bucky stolen with uh, without um, with the keys being left in the ignition. He said to me, "In my opinion, proper care was taken with the vehicle um, of the customer while in our position. I have no academic legal background. Thus, my view is that of a layman. Well, he, he can't afford to have the view of a layman if he's <laughs> the dealer principal oh, of yeah. the dealership. The customer is, of course, free to pursue the matter in any ma- manner he deems fit. Quoting statutes seems to indicate to me that you wish to start either a legal argument or one based." on your perception of fairness or perhaps both this all to be shared with the public within the framework of what you believe to be the right manner I'm really not interested in that and you are probably not qualified to do it 
There is a lot of arrogance. Yeah, that's an incredibly arrogant response, particularly given that there are two ombudsmen who are, are whose opinions qualified. are sent to him. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. One consumer goods and services, and the other motor industry. So you can't get more um, eminently qualified to than comment that, on yeah. that. Anyway. Um, he failed to confirm or deny whether the keys had been left in the bucky's ignition at the time of the theft, which was the whole, which was the whole point of the exercise. Because yeah. um, you, you can, it's only if they're negligent. So, for example, if the if a, a gang of armed robbers storm into a dealership, which has happened, uh, put a gun to the to the to the staff's head and get the keys for the for the cars and drive off in them. Well, you, you cannot claim negligence. Yeah, that's not that's you know, nothing they could have. You can't have yeah. um, you know some really hectic access control into any dealership. It's just you know we haven't got there in this country. You know it's so that case wouldn't wouldn't you know they they could say please claim on your insurance. You know we we it couldn't really have, wasn't our fault. We, it wasn't our fault. Yeah, yeah. The awful part of this particular story was that the the guy had uh, was also a new bucky, a high end one. He thought he had insurance, but when he claimed, um, his insurer said, "But terms and conditions, you're supposed to have a tracker fitted, and you haven't, and so we, won't um, we won't pay." I took it up with them, and they said, "Sorry, we you know we can't, and we can prove that we have a telephone conversation where we tell him you have to have it fitted, and he, he just hadn't got around to tra- transferring." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happily, there was a happy ending. I published that story, okay. and then um, afterwards, the owner got back to me to say that he'd been contacted by the dealership, and they had reversed their decision and put him in a new bucky. Thank goodness. Thank so goodness. You, okay. So, um, yeah. But as you say, that's an older case. You've you've got another one very similar um, yes. underway at the moment. Yes. So this is the one I'm working on now. Same story, um, which is why I confused the two momentarily there. Um, the Bucky was in for its first service. That was the one that was in for its. It hadn't done 10,000 Ks. And after being washed, it was awaiting collection unattended. Um, the wife told me this in an email. Um, the cameras show that there was no one working on the vehicle at the time. The keys had simply been left in an unoccupied vehicle. The dealership clearly does not have adequate procedures in place for ensuring that unauthorized people aren't prohibited from entering high-risk areas. As disclosed by dealership employees and seen by my husband on that camera footage, a man simply strolled up to the vehicle, got in, sat there for a while, and then drove off with off without anyone batting an island. And this was three stories underground, not in the dealership parking lot. Sure. Security procedures at the exit were grossly inadequate with no exit card having been requested by the guard before the boom was opened. And um, that should be standard procedure after having a vehicle serviced, but it didn't happen. So it seems like a slam dunk. Yeah. Um, And initially the dealership did assure the customer that they'd replace the bucky, but then it shifted to, you know, when money comes into the picture, then the the, the, the The ethics kind of tend to go out. Um, it shifted to, well, you claim on your policy and we'll compensate you for your premium in- increases as well as a result, uh, as a result of that big claim. We'll also pay your shortfall between the insurance payout and replacing the vehicle. We'll extend your warranty and service plan and we'll, re- we'll replace the child seats, which were in the bucky when it was stolen. And anyone who's had children will know that that's quite a lot of money in itself. Mm. Two car seats, two, two child seats. Which sounds good, and they were kind of tempted to take that, and I think that's, it's it's pretty fair that it's yeah. putting you as close as possible while, without them having to claim, you know. Although I don't know how fair that is on the insurer, quite frankly. But anyway, yeah. but then, and I thought, okay, my work is well. I didn't have to do, do anything; it's done. Um, and then, you know, 
the dealer principal refused to put it in writing, and now this week is backtracking. Oh, no. His latest email is, the reason for requesting that you claim through your insurance is that vehicles and their contents enter our premises entirely at the owner's or driver's risk. We do not accept responsibility whatsoever for any loss or damage to vehicles or their contents. It's such an arrogant response. It's also completely maybe. illegal. Yeah. I just can't believe in 2019 we've had the CPA for eight years on the 1st of April. Yeah. Now, now. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it, it comes down to this issue of, of, of the CPA does apply to motor dealerships, whether they like it or not. And uh, you've gone a step further to get a legal opinion Yeah, on and this. it's not yeah. even just the CPA. Attorney Trudy Brookman, who we've, she's a consumer law specialist, we've had her on the show yeah. in the past, she said, in my experience, auto service providers almost invariably almost invariably seem to regard themselves as somehow being above the law. If a technician leaves a consumer's car key in the ignition, it is clear that he was acting negligently. In other words, he could have expected the car to be stolen and he didn't take reasonable steps to prevent the theft by, for example, locking away the key. As this negligence took place in the course and scope of his work at the dealership, the dealership is liable for the consumer's loss. They also can't, as sometimes happens, say it's our outsourced securities company's fault. They are responsible for any third party that they contract with. Yeah. Um, the legal position, truly said, is, is consequently that the current value of the car needs to be determined and the dealership must pay that amount to the consumer along with interest if they didn't, if they don't pay immediately okay. and any legal costs which, which the consumer may have to incur in order to get that payment out of them. In addition, she says, this is the CPA. Um, our law requires you to be more careful with someone else's property than you would have been with your own. The dealership may have some disclaimer of liability, such as a notice or contractual term, which states that the cars are left on their premises at the consumer's risk. And this will only be enforceable, though, if it meets a raft of CPA requirements. For example, that it's fair, reasonable and just towards the consumer, which is unlikely, mm-hmm. and that the consumer would have expected it that it was drafted in plain language and that it was specifically drawn to the attention of consumers before they contracted with the dealership and that the consumer assented to it. So I can think it's safe to say that That they wouldn't have a legal leg to stand on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's it's unfortunate, but this is the reality with high ticket items. If it's, if it's a small item that gets damaged, you know, there's a far greater likelihood that the company concerned because it doesn't just happen with cars. Obviously, yeah. we hand over our property, our watches for battery replacement, all that kind of oh, thing. Our look, favorite dress for dry yes, cleaning, exactly. etc. We've had a few of those in the past. Yes. So the same applies. Okay. If they're negligent, um, then um, they, they can't should. just say, "Sorry, look at our notice on the wall." You can't contract out of negligence. Out of the CPA. Yeah, yeah, out of the CPA. Okay. Yeah. So obviously for us as consumers, that means we need to check before we hand over those prized possessions, check what the policy is, check that the business is uh, compliant and knows what the CPA says. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm actually working on a case. I've got two at the moment. Um, the one involves a grand piano, which was transported by a very well-known removals company um, last year to from East London to the Cape. Cape Town and it was um, arrived in a terrible state, smashed beyond repair. Oh no! Uh, well, not beyond repair. It was, the repair bill was more than thirty-seven thousand, and um, they've just washed their hands of it since November. Um, and uh, just before we came to air, there was a lovely development with that, and okay. we're going to we I think um, we're going to bring that in, in full um, in a week or two. In a week now. or two, yes. okay. Um, when it's when it's been properly um, signed and sealed, but. Um, and another case I'm working on now is a woman um, living in Johannesburg wanted to courier a TV, quite an expensive TV, to her mom and Umtata. And um, 
it arrived damaged beyond repair and the company is just saying she even took out their insurance which is a side issue by the way whether okay. there's insurance or not yeah um it's it boils if if there was negligence lack of care the um company is liable whether they have their insurance or not and whether you have insurance or not that is a completely side issue okay. but they've said um no they're not going to replace it or refund her or anything not even what she paid for the courier and not given her reasons why so i'm working on that case but you last night i went into the company's terms and conditions and listen to this no assumption of liability is extended to mechanical or electrical goods and is contained in brand new and original packaging and I'm pretty sure I've asked her to respond and haven't had a, a, a response yet but I'm pretty sure that that wasn't pointed out to her verbally it was just left there in, 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 the, in, hiding the, in the hiding in the small, small print but these are the things when we hand over our goods so I yeah my advice is um to check, to assume the worst. I know I always say that, and I, I sound like a prophet of doom, but my work makes me so. Yeah, is to say what it, what it would happen, um, you know, if if this, these goods should be damaged. Yes, I know I've checked my insurance policy. I have insurance for you know my if my goods are damaged in transit in any way and all those sorts of things. Mm. But sometimes you think you have insurance and you don't. There's a condition in there that 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 re- leads them to repudiate the claim, or you've just don't you haven't insured for that particular thing yeah. so it's good to actually engage them and say i want to know exactly show me the clause do you know that this is contracting out of the cpa um take pictures of your stuff just just um really protect yourself especially if you're handing over a high ticket item mm. um it's another chap in cape town here another case all his beautiful art all the frames were smashed oh, no. and Come again on. it's another case I'm, I'm i'm still working on um so it's, it's very very common i can you know at any given time i'm, I'm working on at least one sure. case and so i just feel really strongly that people need to protect themselves absolutely and, and know what their well interesting whatsapp in here anonymously and i guess you can understand why but this person says i work at a dealership i have learned that the motor industry is a law unto themselves well that comes from within and it's exactly yeah. the words that trudy brookman used Okay, very, very interesting. So particularly when you're handing over the car for that service, take the couple of minutes to check and have that conversation uh, uh, and take lots of photos, etc. We almost into news headlines. A reminder that we're going to switch into open line after half past one. I also just want to uh, give some feedback to our listener, Tony, who emailed us during the week with a question about card charges for new credit card deliveries. Quite an interesting one uh, that we'll share with you. But you can start dialing on 021-446-056. Seven. If you've got an open line question, and you can also send a voice note to oh seven two five six seven one five six seven. Would be particularly interested to hear from anybody who has been on the receiving end of. Um, this kind of treatment by uh, whether it's a motor dealership or somebody else trying to hide behind that no you claim from your insurance response and how you managed to resolve it if in fact you did so that's all coming up after the half past one news headlines also just a very quick mention um i know recycling is something we talk about a lot wendy and i know listeners care about a lot just to mention sunlight dishwashing liquid well done to them moving into a new recycled and recyclable that's the way bottle to go. for their packaging do you know incidentally just before the minute before news that yeah. often the re- the refills we think we're being um 
environmentally friendly by buying the refills that we then pour into the original bottle of many products. Those refill sachets are not recyclable. So you're actually contributing <laughs> so, more. Uh, yes, yeah. so this is the way to go to have, you know, to, to buy a bottle that at least is made from recycled material and then can be recycled o- again. Going on can be recycled. So it has a long lifespan. Well, Louise is saying, I usually buy the cheapest no-name brand, but I am prepared to pay a bit extra for sunlight for this recyclable bottle. Of course, lots of people are having fun with ESCOM and power outages <laughs> and the concept of sunlight uh, uh, so <laughs> thanks for the humor everybody let's try and keep a smile on our face through the darkness consumer talk open line right uh, we go to the open line and before we share the fnb story wendy uh, in kenilworth has been waiting a long time to speak to us wendy uh great to have you with us good afternoon hi thanks wendy um i've got a washing machine that i've taken to um, uh, an appliance city and then then they give me a little card to say that the machine is going to cost me one ninety six, and it's getting more, and they're going to take it away. Sorry, Wendy, I'm going to put you back to my producer. I'm struggling to understand what you're saying. I'm I can see from your face that you're but, battling yeah. as well, and I think our listeners would be as well. So uh, I'm going to rather put you back to Amy and have her call you back and try and get a clearer line so that everybody can fully understand what I, you're telling us. And I think it's us. an important issue that's around quotes to repair things. So okay, so I'd yes, like let's to be able, rather to, be able to do it properly. In the meantime, let me just quickly share with you the, the, uh, the F&B credit card story. Tony, okay. Tony mailed me during the week to say, I opted to collect my new credit card from a branch of FNB and after standing in line for nearly an hour and paying 19 rand for my parking fees Mm. I was handed my card why have I been charged 100 rand for what is classified as a card delivery fee the consultant said to me it was normal because they are trying to discourage clients from going into the bank I'm wondering if others have had a similar um, experience Uh, the, the answer Wendy is this they absolutely have they have. That fee should more correctly be termed a card collection fee. Um, I investigated this issue a few months ago, actually. Um, and this is what it's about. Thanks to digital, hmm, digitalization, no, that word. Yeah. Digitalization. <laughs> is that right? Digital- digitalization. Thank you, yes. Pippa. We have very few reasons to pay um, a visit to our branch. Our bank branch, and you can see this. They remember that, that huge announcement by Standard Bank that they're closing something like 70 branches or something yeah. massive, the biggest closure in, in, in South African banking history. And that's because we aren't going into bank. And the banks like it that way, which is why transacting in a bank usually carries some kind of penalty fee. If you go in and do an over the counter thing, sometimes they'll even say to you, you know, go to the, Teller, a, do, the, go to the ATM, ATM rather outside. and yeah. do it. You know, if you're in the bank, you think, well, I might as well do all of this at one time. Um, uh, but, of course, in order to transact online and in stores, we do need physical cards and we do need to physically get our hands on them. Um, and uh, so you'd think that if there was a fee to pay, it would be applied to the service of having a card delivered to our home or our workplace because co- courier, There's a courier fee. Yeah, that's yeah. not free uh, for the bank. Um, rather than if we choose to slip into the bank ourselves and collect it, you'd think that that would be free and the fee would be for the courier. And then with most banks... That would be the case. We do pay to, for the courier service. Right? Yeah. It just gets added to our accounts. Um, but F&B bucks this trend. It charges its customers 200 Rand, 199 that amount went up last July. I don't know why Tony was only charged 100, whether it's a special fee for pensioners or something. I don't know, some other reason. Um, but um, they do charge their customers who opt that 200 Rand uh, if they collect the, the cards in the bank, and as Tony says, you've got parking fees as well because they're trying to discourage 
them from going into the bank. And, and you know, many people like Tony find this absolutely ludicrous, but that's the way it is. When I asked, I did, of course, ask FNB for the official explanation. And this is what, what I got. The reduction of car deliveries to branches is in accordance with the bank's business and digital migration strategy, which continues to benefit customers from a convenience and cost saving <laughs> perspective, which, I mean, the, the chap on whose behalf I took up this, he was exactly, had exactly the same complaint as Tony. Um, he said, huh? It's not for my convenience. No, don't say it's for my convenience when it isn't. And corporates often make this mistake. Well, as so I have to say from personal experience with the nightmare of trying to deal with the particular courier company that they use who are inept, to say the least, mm. in my experience. Mm. Convenience has nothing to do exactly. with that scenario. They, come, they want to come when you're not there, when you're waiting for them, they don't come. And that's why a lot of people opt actually to, say, to go into. It's not a problem for them. Some can even walk to their local branch when they feel like it, without any pressure, without having to make this date with a courier. Who doesn't then come on the date yes. they said they were and coming. And there's another yeah. issue, Pippa, and that is, and I've written about this as well, and it goes hand in hand. It was an FNB case where somebody, um, a fraudster, was obviously some kind of with some internal help. Yeah. Um, the card was delivered to a fraudster. That um, address was manipulated, and he produced fake um, proof of residence and fake ID, which was actually quite obviously fake. And the courier person, you know, signed, <coughs> yes, these are true copies. And my point to the bank was. Are courier staff sufficiently trained and experienced to to authenticate those documents? So at least if you go into a bank, you know somebody who's got the trained eye to look for those. It is is an issue. So uh, yeah, I as I say, I have taken up with the bank twice, and that's their policy. If you are an FNB client, um, you might want to take it up with your bank yourself. Okay, but as it stands, 200 Rand is the fee you'll be charged if you choose to go and collect it from the branch if you're an F&B customer. And it's not the same though with the other banks. With the other banks. banks, you are charged a fee for the courier service and if you go and collect it yourself, it's free. Okay. Interesting Tony, topic. Uh, thanks Thank for you. raising it. Thanks for alerting me to that fact because I've considered after the horrible experience I had with my last credit card, the thought actually crossed my mind that next time I'm going to let them deliver it to the branch. But I now know I'll be hit with a 200 rand fee if I do that. Yes. Okay. So thanks, Tony. Um, right. Wendy, whose line was breaking up, so is, is on the road and is going to get to a landline. So we'll come to her towards the end of the show. Uh, in the meantime, a feedback from Alison on the WhatsApp line going back to the, uh, the car theft and damage at the dealership issue and what you mentioned about the courier service damaging things. Uh, Alison's saying transporters cannot lawfully contract out of liability because the essence of their contract is to transport goods from A to B. Whether or not the transporter has insurance, they are lawfully bound to transport successfully or else they can be sued for damages. And she says, I got this advice from an attorney. It certainly echoes what you were told. Totally, 100%. But... um yeah, the industry takes a different view because, again, you know, they, they would be liable if they took responsibility for breakages. They would be liable for, you know, amounts far exceeding the fee for, for removals. But that's, you know, if there isn't a legal consequence, then they could take your stuff, throw it in the back of the van with no packaging. Yeah. The other thing they do, and while we're talking about that, is they be very careful of this. If you pack your own boxes, which many of us would choose to do, um. And those boxes arrive, and I've seen cases where they split and, you know, burst, mm. and the crockery inside is is broken. They say, "Sorry, look at the small print of the contract. There's, we don't take responsibility for for boxes that you've packed yourself. You didn't avail yourself of our professional packing service." Mm. So that's a that's a very common one to to be. 
to be mindful of. Okay, let's go to the lines on the subject of the F&B credit cards. Colin in Somerset West, good afternoon. Hi, Papa. I just want to give you my story about F&B and maybe just to warn uh, other people as well. So I had the same experience with you. They wanted to deliver it off the command, my card, uh, which had expired, which was about to expire to my house. And I don't work from home, so I had to make a plan to be at home when they, when they were going to arrive. Yeah. And they never did. So I wasted my time on three occasions. And eventually I was so furious. I phoned up F&B and I said to them, I'm not interested. I want to cancel the card. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And they said on the, you know, when you phone that everything is recorded, et cetera, et cetera. And so they then said they would take back the card and they would close, they would uh, destroy it or whatever. I then got an account from them uh, for my credit, for, you know, the monthly account. And I said, I phoned them and I said, no, no, no. I've, I'd sent back the card. I don't want the account anymore. And they said, no, I hadn't actually phoned them to close the actual credit card account. I told him to, to destroy the card, oh. but not close the account. And I said, but what do you do with a, with a credit card if you don't, if, with a, sorry, with an account if you don't even have the credit card? And I had a hangover fight with him. And eventually they reimbursed me the money that, but I just, you know, if people do find themselves in the same situation as me and they actually want to close the account, make sure that the actual card is destroyed and the account is closed. Otherwise you're going to continue getting charge for this account with which you can do nothing it's like okay. madness that's that's, that's madness. yeah a bit disingenuous it's obvious what his intention was and they chose to nitpick around um the the wording um cancel my card cancel my account the average consumer that's the same thing because yeah. as he says the one's useless without the other so you would think that they would then at least ask the follow-up question does that mean you, you want also to want to close account. the account mm. yeah very very nitpicky colin thanks for for giving us the heads up on that one appreciate it right we've got wendy back uh, oh, wendy yeah. who was on the line from kenilworth uh, wanting to talk about uh, a washing machine wendy good afternoon Hi, um, I've just, uh, I've got a problem with my washing machine, so I got somebody to come and have a look at it. They're out in Claremont. Gentleman came to look at it, gave me a quote, gave me a little card with it, said if I take the machine with me to have it fixed, it could be more. And also, um, if I disassemble this machine and you don't want the quote, you must take a machine just like that. You're not going to reassemble it. And if you want me to reassemble it, I'm going to charge you. I just want to know if this is legal. Oh, okay. Yes. It is, um, if they tell you up front. So because in order to give you an accurate quote, whether it's a watch or a washing machine or anything with internal parts, a yeah. technician does have to spend time and energy, you know, labor, um, taking it apart. So they need to give you something up front that says um, that there will be a, um, what do they call it? A quote rejection fee of X amount. And they need to, yeah. they need to specify what that amount is yeah. so that you agree knowing what the situation is. What yeah. they can't do is take your goods, come up with a quote of a thousand rand, say, and then you say, well, no, that's far too much. I can buy a new one or whatever. And then yeah. they say, okay, well, you've got to give us 500 rand for our labor. Yeah. They can't disclose it at that well, stage. Well, but they, they came out and they, they will recharge me 350 rand for the call fee. Then he gave me a quote for one nine. Then he also said on top of that, even though I'm saying it's one nine, he opened it up on my premises and let me take it away. And it could be more once I get to wherever. You know, that doesn't sound right. So, so when did he tell you that it, he, so he, he, first of all, he didn't tell you how much the quote rejection fee was going to be? No, they, he told me it's going to cost me one nine. 
But on top of that, he said, if I take it away, it could cost more when I get to my workshop. But you've already opened it up on my premises. Okay, so so the, so the they can't tell you that there's a quote rejection fee after they've opened up your thing. You need to be able to say up front before they've done any work on it, um, yeah. yes, I agree to the quote rejection fee or no, I don't. Yeah. I'm going to rather go to somebody else. So yeah. if I'm understanding you correctly, if you were only told about the quote rejection fee after he'd dismantled after, your yeah. machine, then he has no legal right to charge you. Does, does that make okay. sense to you, Wendy? Yes, it does. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, no. okay. and, that's, and I hope that helps other listeners as well because Absolutely. it's a common one. The quote rejection fee is legal as long as it's disclosed and agreed to. You should ideally put your signature to it before they've done a stitch of work on your watch, washing machine, or any other appliance. Okay, Wendy, thanks so much for raising a really important uh, issue for all of our listeners to learn for, and uh, I hope you can take that back to them and dispute uh, the charges that they're trying to get out of you. Uh, right, Geraldine in Tamburskloof, good afternoon. Hello. Hello, Pippa. Hello, Wendy. Hello, um, my question is somewhat similar. I had a window pane that needs replacing, and the glass company requested that I pay 100% of the quote up front before they've even come and do it. Now, what are the legalities of paying for a service uh, before the service has actually been done? There's nothing that um, precludes them from asking you to do it. I would just say as a consumer, I wouldn't do it because you have um, no, I mean. No recourse. And I, yeah, and no recourse should they do a bad job. Exactly. Um, if you're having your kitchen renovated, I think it's very fair to pay, say, a 50% deposit because there's material that needs to be purchased. With a window yes. pane, I'm not, uh, I don't know what that says about um the way they do business and the kinds of clients they have, but you'd think, you know, that they wouldn't want even a fifty percent deposit, um, exactly on one little window pane. So yes. it's a little the odd. Win- the window pane was only two hundred and twenty rand, but the whole quote was one thousand seven hundred. Okay, so that before they would even come out, had they come out before to give you a they quote? Even came. Oh, so you just no, gave them the dimensions. I had to pay for it. We, I gave them the dimensions and a photograph. And I had to pay it fully no. uh, be- before Fif- they even scheduled okay. it. I would say 50% would be a normal because that protects both of you. That protects them because obviously they've got their markup and everything as well. So it would protect yes. them from being out of pocket if they did the job and you didn't cho- choose. And look, let's just say this. Many consumers are, especially now in this bad economy, doing horrible things to service providers. So they're protecting themselves with that 50%. I would say that would be quite um, fair and, and, and normal actually but to expect you to pay 100% before coming out is then putting all the risk on you yeah. and I don't think that's fair and I think there's quite a bit of competition in that industry you should um, shop around for shop around. and supplier next yes. time Geraldine right Thank you very much. Thank You're you for welcome. your call. So it might be legal, but it's not necessarily good business practice, Wendy. No, they've yeah. obviously been burnt la- a lot, lot yeah. lately, but to trans- it, it doesn't sit well then with new customers. You think, mm, well, you know, it's, it's a, as I say, it's forcing them to take on all the risk, which isn't, which which isn't, isn't appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Let's go uh, to Christine, who's given us a call from Cape Town. Lovely to have you with us, Christine. Good afternoon. Hi, Papa and Wendy. Thank you very much. It's in connection with the pop-up stands or the stands that you have in various shopping malls, this particular one in Garden Centre. company was called Active Line Therapy, selling massage equipment to people there. So it's twofold. My mom is 80 years old. She's on the cancer journey. The massage is because her body is really in agony and sore. She mm. bought it at an astronomical price. All of that I don't have a problem with. 
battled to use it at home, got her going. Um, machine exploded and started burning her blanket. So oh, my goodness. Re- reservations there. I took the machine, packed it, she kept all the boxes, etc. Took it off to the, to the address that was given to me in Montague Gardens to a company that's fictitious. With other words, there is no such company at that address. Uh, the lady there told me she'd had eight people on average in the last two months with similar complaints, but she couldn't help. And then I thought I'd go back to Garden Centre Management, who then did help, and the gentleman phoned me back probably five minutes later, so obviously there's a connection there somewhere. But the reality is, he then said, can you have my home address to swap out this machine? So, no, he can't have my home address because I don't know who I'm dealing with, and I'm already on, on back foot, and I certainly mm. don't want this for my mother. And I don't want it exchanged. I need it refunded because I'm certainly not going to let her burn her house down. Absolutely. So maybe it's just an, 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 an active call to everyone. If you see these massage people in the various malls, please do not go and buy from them. And the next thing is, I don't know as a consumer what else one can do. Okay. Um, Christine, when did your mom buy that massage thingy? Probably within the last month. I, I oh, okay, that's perfect. So, yeah. that's perfect. So you're well within the um, six-month CPA returns period, which gives you oh, the right if something oh. becomes defective, you get to choose the remedy. So you are most definitely entitled to a refund. Um, incidentally, had your mom uh, had um, buyer's remorse within five business days, essentially a week of buying that product, even if there was nothing wrong with it, the protection you have from um, direct marketing, because I'm pretty sure that they sort of stopped her and lured her in to come and look at the product. That's what normally happens with these pop-ups. Um, that makes it direct yeah. marketing, and she would have had that protection. But I, given what you've told me about you know, your experience, even with a defective uh, product, um, she probably would have battled um, hugely to get um, – a refund um but you know now you're sitting in a much stronger position because this pro- product has very dramatically um become unfit for purpose and um so and i understand your reticence are not wanting to give out your home address i, I understand theirs too it probably means that they're a little hole in the wall somewhere um, what you coming to their premises. i should also just say that shopping centers have a responsibility to, to do due diligence before exposing their customers to these you know, I, I firmly believe that because i get lots yes. of complaints from pop-ups but yet hair uh, hair irons and cosmetics and we all uh, you know we all know what i'm talking about um, if we go to yeah. malls. So if you need any help, I mean, you can most definitely insist. By the way, the um, the Act says that if something becomes defective within six months, you are entitled to send it back at the supplier's cost, not yours. So um, even if it means, you know, you've got to post it to them or courier it to them, they must pay. But, you know, given the caliber of the of supplier, I, I'm not sure that that won't just leave you further out of pocket with a courier fee and still sitting without the product and then no um, refund either. So you might need um, some heavier guns in this one. Um, Christine, if you'd like to, to email me, I'll do my best. Um to to get involved and I actually would like to appeal to listeners we've had a couple of complaints about products aimed at the um, older citizens um, yeah. aids with you know mobility and all sorts of things and, and products that target lifts. yes yeah. if anyone out there has had a bad experience please do share with us so that we can investigate for a future show
Okay, so Christine, you're going to, if you would like Thank Wendy's you assistance, your, her email address is consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. And please just put Cape Talk uh, Massage Machine in the um, subject line so she knows to keep her eye out for it after the show. Uh, and uh, she can maybe assist in, in making sure you get the refund that is definitely owed definitely to you. Uh, thanks for, for that call. Uh, before we go to the next call, I promised Lucy I would take her WhatsApp this week because we didn't have time for it last week. And it's another one that I think is a fairly clear-cut one. Lucy shopped recently at a factory shop which had a very old-school cash register. Mm. And Wendy, she said, I asked how they give the 20% off which was offered. And the till operator said, it's okay, I know what's on special, and I added in manually. Well, when I got home, she says, I realized no discount had in fact been given. I asked the factory shop, and they asked me to come back to them for a refund. I don't go there often. The petrol to get there and back is probably the same value as the value of the refund, is it fair to, for me to ask them for an EFT refund? Yes, I think it's completely fair. And I actually ran such an issue past um, the con- former Consumer Goods and Services um, Ombud, uh, Neville Melville. And he said um, that legally his interpretation of the Act was that um, if there's been um, mistaken pricing, if you haven't got the benefit of, a, of an advertised price, um, and it's not one of those obvious mistakes, one that you that they have an out on, mm. yes. Um, they are um, – a consumer would be within their rights to ask for their petrol or transport fee, Uber fare, whatever it is, to be refunded uh, to them. And um, I actually asked at the time for – for my, I think it was readers in that case, to to try it and, and let me know. But it's not something you do every day, and I never yeah. got any feedback on it. But but technically, um, Lucy would um, most definitely, um, if she, if they didn't want to do an EFT, which would be the simplest thing for everybody, if she went back with the product, then she could say, and actually you can add on. And, it's, it's, and then I would take an Uber if it's not too far, because then you've got a, rec- a receipt. receipt. Yeah, no, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Uber there is complicated so calculation. It. Yes. Okay. Uh, we've got a voice note going back to the FNB credit card story. Let's take a listen. Hi, Pippa. Um, just speaking about the FNB matter, I'm a student and I'm not in one place for the entire day. Um, I needed to get my petrol card delivered to me. And they insisted that they needed to deliver it to my apartment. But I'm not in my apartment the entire day because, excuse me, I go to class. Um, and the company is so difficult to communicate with. So this 200 rand fee that they charge is not for convenience because it would be more convenient for me to pick up the card than to sort of miss classes or something so that they can drop it off at my house. Thanks. That's a classic case. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, her generation is one that's fully embracing digitalization there. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just read that FNB response again quickly. The reduction of car deliveries to branches. Well, it's actually not reduction. It's, 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 um, well, okay. They, they, they are trying to reduce it to branches is in accordance with the bank's business and digital migration strategy, which continues <laughs> to benefit customers from a convenience and a cost saving perspective. That's just not getting it for many people. Um, doing going to a branch in their own time um, is is what's convenient for them, and they shouldn't be penalised for it. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm taking deep breaths, Wendy, because the mere memory of my last credit card experience with them makes me want to swear and spit at people. So I'm going yeah. to take a deep breath and rather go back to the lines to Stuart in the CBD. <laughs> oh. oh, dear, we've lost him. Okay, I'm hoping Amy can maybe try and call him back before we run out of time. Uh, in the meantime, a comment from Penny. Uh, we mentioned that sunlight liquid had gone to the recyclable bottle uh, going forward. Uh, Penny's saying in 2019, with so much emphasis on plastic and recycling, surely it's highly irresponsible of companies like like sunlight to be introducing new refill packaging that can't be recycled. How will this planet ever recover if there is not stricter legislation regarding packaging? On the one hand, it's fantastic that they've made the bottle recyclable, but I would never have known unless I heard this now on your show that the refill packet wasn't. And then they cancel that out by introducing non-recyclable refills. It's a cop out by companies who do this. Yeah, Penny, uh, you and I are in the same well, boat. I'd never actually stop I to consider that. Probably. Um, Make 100% sure that that's still the case. I, I'm pretty sure it is because I was recently, a year or a bit ago, was judging a, a plastic recycling competition, mm. and I'm with sitting with a room full of of real experts in the, in this field, and that came out, and I was amazed because you think it's the green option that you you but it yeah the the substrate that they call it that 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 particular plastic substrate was um at the time not recyclable and i haven't heard anything to the contrary but i will check and if i'm wrong on that uh, we will come back and say it but that was the situation fairly recently and okay. it's not just and and all those it's th- not just sunlight it's no all it's the- all those those re those refill packs it's your your softeners and all of that and yeah, those plastics cleaner, everything don't yeah. get recycled but um i will uh, i'm t- undertaking now to to make a hundred percent sure and correct that if i'm if i'm wrong okay so i'm making a note as well that we must give feedback on the uh, the recyclable package next week. Uh, Wendy, uh, we need to wrap it up there and I just want to let everybody know uh, your contact details once again. Uh, if you have a question for Wendy, send an email to consumer at nola.co.za. It is spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. She knows a lot about consumer matters. That's the easiest way to remember the correct spelling. <laughs> you can also find her on her Facebook page, Wendy Nola Consumer. And a plea that if you are contacting her, please just pop the words Cape Talk into the subject line. Uh, as well as a word or two about the nature of the problem. Now, you're away next week, but we've already sat down and yes. pre-recorded uh, a quite interesting conversation on uh, using um, online accommodation booking sites and similar platforms. So we'll play that out next week and look forward to having you back in studio with us two weeks from today. Lovely, Pepper, and good luck with staying on, <laughs> on air. For the Let's next hope, hour. fingers crossed, that it keeps going for the next half an hour. Wendy Nola, thanks so much.